Welcome to Acquiring Minds, a podcast about buying businesses. My name is Will Smith. Acquiring an existing business is an awesome opportunity for many entrepreneurs. And on this podcast, I talk to the people who do it. My conversation today is with Paul Lemley. Paul acquired 15 websites in 2020. He partnered with a family office for the capital to do those acquisitions. So if you're interested in acquiring websites or other digital assets, this is going to be a really educational interview for you to listen to. Paul not only tells a story, but in the second half of the interview, he distills his biggest takeaways from this experience into tips for other would-be digital asset website acquirers out there. I know I learned a ton. I think you will too. Here he is, Paul Lemley. Paul Lemley, thank you for joining me today on Acquiring Minds. Thank you, Will. I'm, I'm glad to be here. You acquired, you recently acquired last year, 2020, 15 digital assets, 15 websites. You partnered with some investors, among them a family office, uh, to go out and find find these acquisitions. Uh, I think our audience is going to be really interested in this in this story because acquiring websites is something that's very hot right now, as I'm sure you <laughs> as I'm sure you you know, and we're competing against a lot of that market. So, uh, want to basically for the first half of the interview, I just want to hear the story of this, and then for the second half. You and I had talked offline a little bit about some of what you've learned from, from being so in the trenches so recently. And for those in our audience who are looking to acquire a website, I'm sure they would love to hear um, some of these tips. So we'll spend the, the second half on, on, on some of your lessons learned from, from these big acquisitions. So by way of introduction, why don't you give us a quick history, professional history on yourself and what led you to... Um, to the start the process of this of these acquisitions. Absolutely, yeah. I'm uh, a digital media consultant by trade. I've been in digital media since you know it, during college. I, I launched e-commerce stores and uh, had a, I was a, a aviation student, so I flew planes and I, I launched classicflightbag.com. <laughs> And I dropshipflightbag.com. <laughs> I drop shipped a leather pilot's flight bag uh, as a way to, you know, learn the ropes. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, no one's hiring. It, but this was back in 2000, uh, 2009. So tr- just getting out of the, uh, um, the, uh, financial crisis uh, uh, back in 2008. And obviously the pilot shortage uh, (laughs) made, made my, you know, future aspirations of being, being an airline pilot or commercial pilot um, uh, (laughs) very risky. And so I've sort of pivoted my attention to more towards digital marketing, digital media and, and running businesses uh, because it was all fascinating to me. And that was my first uh, uh, go at it. I I then experienced the agency life after those were early days for drop shipping 2009. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was very little information and, uh, uh, I ended up cold calling three, uh, Chinese manufacturers and the first one that could, uh, you know, speak some broken English <laughs> I chose. So it, it, <laughs> it was, right yeah, it was, it was a ridiculous time and I learned a lot, but, uh, that was my first kind of foray into entrepreneurship and, very cool. and digital marketing. And so, yeah. um, uh, stayed at the the University of Dubuque for my master's degree, where I was the um, 
graduate assistant to the president there, doing some digital marketing stuff for him. Left to do an uh, to work at an agency in the Milwaukee area where I'm from and located now. Mm-hmm. Uh, left the agency after a few years to go out on my own, and I've been consulting ever since. And uh, working with a lot of digital publishers, which where which is where my kind of SEO hat and uh, digital media hat really kind of grew into um, a little more mature uh, um, skill. And by publishers, do you mean uh, sort of affiliate style content sites or news publishing sites, media sites? What Be more specific. Yeah, good question. Uh, I've worked with some affiliate sites doing affiliate marketing on my own, but uh, on the professional side, it's been a lot of news as well as health and wellness and celebrity gossip publishers. Okay. So I did a, a fair amount of consulting with American Media, now with a, uh, A3, A360, I think they're called now, uh, which publishes, uh, they used to own National Enquirer, uh, Men's Journal, Muscle and Fitness. Um, so did a lot of consulting in the in the health and wellness realm specifically, yep. some celebrity and gossip, uh, some other news uh, sites, um, and uh, really cut my teeth when it comes to SEO and content publishing and editorial and lots of, lots of different things in those realm. Email. Yeah. Yeah. Copy, copywriting is all day, every day. So yeah, that's my, that's pretty much my background in, in media. But, um, so I, my goal, or at least when I turned 30, I'm 32 now was to get out of just, you know, consulting for these other publishers and, and, and do it on my own, uh, own my own properties. And, sure. uh, um, and so <laughs> when I hit 30, I didn't, I didn't, ha- I didn't have much savings or, or, uh, you know, uh, prospects of getting loan, you know, business loans or something or stuff like that. And so, yep. um, I thought to, to myself, why not work with other people and partner with, with other organizations that might see these assets, these, you know, publisher, or these, uh, content-based sites or yep. media sites as an asset worth investing in. And so, um, I had been, chatting with a friend that I met through Spikeball. We would play Spikeball every week together for years. <laughs> Where and, all the best business relationships are formed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> on the, on the basketball courts, tennis court, golf course, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I didn't really know what he did much, but, uh, but I knew he was part, part investments, parts business acquisitions. Um, and we didn't really dive deep, much deeper than that until, uh, COVID hit really. And, um, the depth of our conversations around digital businesses being a, an asset class for his, uh, his organization, uh, and worth investing in and exploring, um, was definitely his motivation or their motivation was definitely there because, you know, at acquiring, uh, in-person businesses that they just didn't see the, um, you know, growth opportunity there. Um, and so they, they had dabbled with an acquisition of a, um, a manufacturer that ha- had an e-commerce element to it. So they mm-hmm. were learning a little bit there. Um, but I brought them this idea of acquiring content-based sites as a avenue to grow an audience and then launch or acquire additional um, e-commerce sites or FBA businesses uh, as strategic opportunities on the back end. So, so once you've acquired these sites with audiences, you could then tuck in e-commerce stuff and um, direct immediately be able to direct your own traffic to those other acqui- subsequent acqui- acquisitions. 
Exactly. The, my philosophy and everyone's, most people's philosophy is that you start with the audience, then you right. uh, super serve them with products or community or, uh, I mean, you can run ads as well. Uh, there's lots of different monetization opportunities when you have the audience. It's just get building that audience is the hard part. Right. So why, not, why not skip <laughs> the building of the audience and acquire that audience? And yeah. so uh, <laughs> our intention was to, it, our intention wasn't to go full bore of like finding the perfect uh, site or the perfect portfolio of sites. Uh, it was just to explore some opportunities and see what happens after that. And it just it kind of snowballed into this relationship where I was consulting on the uh, acquisition side and um, you know diving deep into these sites. Are they worth the value or the uh, price point that the seller is uh, seller wants? Um, what what are some possibilities for growth if we do decide to acquire? Well, and, I, wa- I want to get into the search um, yeah. before before we dive into that. So you, it was kind of a happy accident that you had in mind the idea of kind of raising raising money from. So an investor or, or investors to mm-hmm. acquire digital assets. I mean, this or in, and develop your own properties. And then this, this friend of now friend of yours that you met um, at spike ball worked for an investment, like a family office that was, had already acquired businesses. And just as COVID hit because COVID hit, they were looking to put money in exactly the thing that you were looking to, to do. So it was, it was just this great coincidence. That's awesome. I mean, that must've made you happy and and them (laughs) as well. I mean, you know, and that's that, that, uh, and the stars align like that. Okay. And so, so you, you, uh, work, you know, you have meetings with them, you guys decide to work together. What was, how did you decide on, on how much, basically how much capital to deploy, how much money you had to spend on acquisitions? What, tell us about that. (sighs) We didn't really target a specific dollar amount. It, it was more, it was the amount of capital needed was more born out of what the opportunity, what uh, attractive opportunities we could source. Right. Um, there were, there were a handful of smaller acquisitions that we could have pulled the trigger on very quick, but they, they were just, they weren't a great fit or they didn't fit with our why, which I'll talk about uh, on my tips. But um, right. uh, when we came across the primary portfolio that we acquired, which, which was a total of 12 sites, we, mm-hmm. it sort of was the perfect amalgamation of niches and industries that each site talked about, um, opportunities to expand into other revenue, um, opportunities, um, you know, a clear growth model with their existing content, uh, strategy. Um, there was, there was just so many like great factors about this business and it, it was, it was dwindling too. So we could get it at a decent price or the, the traffic had been dying because the seller um, diverted his attention and capital to another business. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you a, saw the obvious ways to grow it. It was already profitable and generating revenue, but you saw the, all these other exactly um, opportunities. And, and these are affiliate sites. So they, the primary really only, uh, revenue, um, generating opportunity with the, or, um, uh, revenue generating, um, yeah, opportunity with the sites was affiliate commissions. And so, you know, obviously deploying ads and, uh, launching community and, um, 
you know, direct brand relationships for advertising and for, and for product sales, that's that sort of thing. Uh, there were so many opportunities that we wanted to explore yeah. and thought this was perfect, a perfect jumping off point uh, with, with this portfolio. And it was, but it, it, the, back to the point is it was larger than we anticipated. Okay. And so um, the, the immediate discussion was, okay, how, who else can we pull into this strategy, at least in this local market and with our own, um, uh, contacts and yeah. relationships. Um, but it also, you know, it, it sort of just fell into place. <laughs> I, I, I still have a sort of, uh, I still think back to, you know, fall of last year, like how the cadence of things or the, um, how things turned out. And it's, it's weird to me to think that everything just fell into place so easily. Um, so it was easy. So it was bigger than you all anticipated acquiring. And so you had, mm-hmm. had to raise some more money and then it turned out finding that money locally in, in the existing network that you all have was turned out to be quick. Yeah. It, <laughs> I think we, I think it took maybe two months to finalize the full capital uh, um, group. And how many additional entities or, or individuals did you have to bring in? I think about 11 total, uh, not including uh, um, your, office, your the office, my office, the family office. Yeah. So the family office and you, and, and did they, did you have to put skin in the game? Did you have to put any of your own capital in? And see, this is where, <laughs> where I think I lucked out. Um, I'm an operator and I, I sold them on the, on the idea of, I will help you acquire these uh, um, assets and run them for you. And so I uh, earned a commission off of the, the acquisition. And then I'm also a part owner of, mm-hmm. of the assets and, uh, and I also run them. So I, so is this, 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 this model, is this something that you'd learned about or is this something that you all came up with? just you originated yourselves. I don't want to say I invent invented this because I'm sure other people have yeah. done something like yeah. this. The, the, uh, I think the closest thing I've, I knew about was, uh, individuals that had had relationships with, um, VC firms that introduced or made connections and they would, t- they would earn a, a percentage of the deal. the deal. Sure. Um, and I just thought, why, why, do it just for startups, which is a 10 year horizon, a 10 year, you know, <laughs> wait for your um, liquidity event and go with the cash flowing, existing cash flowing business, sure. acquire it and build and grow it. So, well, certainly the finder's fee is, is pretty standard, but uh, the idea that you stay on as the op- operator and, and kind of earn your equity piece over time as the operator is um, the, kind of the more interesting, but maybe, maybe that's Totally common as well. I just um, it's first first I've seen of it, but it, it seems like a great way for somebody like you to participate in the upside. Exactly, and I wish it was uh, like I could. I wish other people have that have done it had, had uh, uh, come out and said, you know, this is what I did, and this is how I've benefited from it. It's, it's just I think it's going to be a lot more common as as this type of investment opportunity becomes more re- recognized as a real valuable um, strategy. Yeah. And they're going to be looking for operators, um, yeah. and so allow bringing in real operators to uh, to manage and grow a, an existing business, uh, but giving them you know skin in the game is is a huge strategy that I think people should look into. I 
stumbled upon a site sometime this week where somebody is um, trying to pair operators with with acquired assets. Do you do you know about this? I can't. Remember I the stumbled URL. on on the same site, uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to think. I probably have it. I, I emailed it to myself. I wonder if that was in the thread that where where you and I met actually. Yeah, it probably was the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So you so give us a sense of uh dollar terms if you can. What th- these 12 sites. So you you acquired the 12 and then you subsequently acquired two more and then one more. So that okay, so those 15 the 15 sites that you acquired were in three across three different acquisitions with the bulk being that first 12. Mm-hmm. Um can you tell us what you acquired each of these three these three portfolios for or assets? Uh, I believe we t- raised a total of, or in between two and two point eight million. Uh, okay. And I, I wish I knew the exact numbers, but uh, two, two and two point eight million was the full capital raised. Uh, the largest portfolio, the twelve sites, was over two million in total for the total acquisition. Uh, the smaller port, smaller two were, I think, a hundred k, and the the single site was 80. Um, so okay. the, the three follow-ons were, were very, very tiny, sort of this, this would round out a full portfolio and give us a little more uh, increased diversity of, of niches and um, things to test. Like the, the third acquisition, the smaller, the, no, the two acquisition, two site acquisition, um, it was a different, entirely different model. Um, it's an ad arbitrage model. So rather than affiliate, um, uh, so we were interested in exploring different um, revenue opportunities, re- revenue models. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you wanted to, you wanted to, yeah, diversify the way the sites made money or at exactly. least experiment, have, have some visibility into another model. Mm-hmm. And so by ad arbitrage, uh, ex- explain that for folks who don't know. Yeah, so uh, this one specifically uses Taboola to drive to run ads on other sites to drive traffic, and based on the optimization of those ads on our site or that those visitors on our site, we can uh, increase our own ad revenue, uh, ad earnings on our site. Um, so the model was proven already by the previous owner, and we've actually retained them to continue running it for us. Um, Running, running both the sites and the ad campaigns. And so uh, we'll likely look, we have other higher priorities, but we'll likely look to scale that um, uh, or increase our, our investment in those over the next six to 12 months. So they're a little on the back burner, but, uh, but definitely still making money. And just so I understand, so the Taboola ads are that run on other sites. That's what drives traffic to your two sites. Exactly. And then, and then how are you monetizing the two sites with that, with display ads yourselves or, or what? Yep. So the, those two sites earn AdSense ad revenue, which mm-hmm. will probably flip into a different ad, ad provider that offers more, uh, RPM, uh, and then, yeah, so the ad revenue, very little uh, affiliate revenue comes from those two sites, though. But okay. it, it's definitely an opportunity we want to explore. Okay. Okay, great. And so the across all of these sites, but if, if you want, we can focus on the 12. Are these affiliate sites that have like a brand following? Or are they are they sites that people just find through a quick search on SEO and, and may or may not revisit? Or do they have... Um, have they built a brand around themselves? Uh, there is very little brand 
recognition with any of these sites. The largest is runnerclick.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to say 80% of the traffic is search driven. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the top traffic driving pages are best, our best running shoe of 2021. Um, so we, we definitely focus on organic traffic. That's the bread and butter of, of our content team and editorial team. Uh, and we want to continue to build that moat. It's a, it's, it's extremely valuable, but part of our growth plan is to establish much more recognizable brands around or establish these into much more recognizable brands. And so runnerclick.com will, will be actually launching a community, uh, that will do just that for us in the next couple months. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So that, so the fact that they're not branded, that's kind of part of the opportunity for you. Exactly. So you, um, you just touched on the fact that these have a team, the 12 sites had a team. So, so talk, talk me through that. There, there were people that came along, how big is the team? They stick around all, all of that stuff because, um, yeah, I mean that's that's obviously when you when you acquire a site and you're the only one and there's nobody else there. It's just you and the site. It's very yeah. different than when there's a team in place. So talk us through that. Yeah, and that was super lucky too. The, the uh, twelve site portfolio came with uh, two editors and an SEO individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are contractors, foreign uh, and English speaking, and so they're they're fantastic. Um, are they full time contractors or just like when you need them? They are full time. Right. Uh, I don't think we would have acquired the full portfolio if they did not come along with us Mm -hmm. or along with it. And so they've been with the the properties for five, six years uh, with one of them, five, six years, the other two, two, like three or four years. And so um, it was definitely a value add for us and we were willing to pay (laughs) extra for, for that help. Um, I don't think we, we would, we would be struggling. We, uh, we would be, yeah, I think we'd be struggling immensely if we did not have, have yeah. their help. And I thank them every day for just for staying on. Yeah. Um, and did, during the due they, diligence, did you get any sort of commitment from them? G- given that they're both contractors and overseas, it probably would be hard to get anything binding. But um, to what extent did you did you kind of try to get their get their assurance that they'd stick around? Yeah. So in due diligence, we did speak with the editor in chief. Uh, his name's Brian. He's fantastic. Uh, we made it clear to him uh, that at, that then he could communicate to the other two and some of the writers that they are still connected with or that we're still connected with that our intention was to to maintain retain them as uh, as key staff members mm-hmm. and, and writers and so uh, that was really important to us and we wouldn't have discovered that had we not posed questions about like who's who's actually running them and you know diving deeper with with the seller and the seller was very open to allowing us to to speak with Brian and uh and communicate that to to the team so cool cool great uh, yeah that's that's a huge it strikes me as makes the acquisition much more much more appealing if you have uh, people running it for you um, absolutely so uh what, what's the aggregate traffic that you acquired from all these sites uh the sites do ballpark ballpark a uh, couple million a year I think uh five to six million visits or sessions a year visits a year um per month we're doing about a million uh great no 
So yeah, so my math's off. My math's off. Yeah, about half a half a million per month if it's six million a year. Yeah, so about a half right? half a million a month. Um, and they they historically did much more. Uh, I mentioned er, earlier that uh, that they are de- depreciating at they were depreciating assets, and so we um, we were confident to, that we'd be be able to bring them back up um, mm-hmm. to what they were. So. Cool. Now let, let's talk through the search uh, real quick because we're, uh, we're we're going a little bit over, and I, I want to get to your lessons. Um, so, where were you looking? Um, were you looking on the listing sites? Tell tell us quickly about the search itself. Yeah, um, I love the guys at Quiet Light. They mm-hmm. they do the due diligence ahead of, of time. They don't work with anyone that isn't reputable, and so they were a mainstay in our, in our search and, and having conversations with Brad and their team uh, about other opportunities that might be coming down the pipe. Um, we did explore some FE international yep. um, opportunities and we still obviously received some inquiries there too, but um, those were the two primary. Uh, I don't think we, ex- we even talked to anybody from empire flippers Um how did then, you choose those two companies? Was was that was it just kind of like what what you knew, or was there something you liked more about them than others? Because those so, are the three names you hear kicked around a lot, and right. I just wonder why somebody chooses to go with firm A versus firm B, or does it all just like if you see a company you like, you'll just use the broker that listed the company? Yeah, I mean, like we're broker agnostic. It's not like yeah. we're going to you know not explore an opportunity based on the broker, but um, yeah. Quiet Lights, I had known about them for over a year and a half, two years prior. So they were just a known entity. FE International, they seem to, their process is clear and and easy. Um, yeah, I, I don't think anything else st- stands out as why that we went with you know them or you know monitored them more. But there were also some other opportunities that we did some direct outreach. Um, mm-hmm. There was a news site that we wanted to, we actually, we were close to an offer, but the sell, the potential seller decided not to sell. But um, those were direct outreach and actually relationships I, I had had prior mm-hmm. that that, um, uh, that could have been beneficial, but they ended up not working. So, yeah. and, and these acquisitions that you did do, were they competitive? Uh, so the large acquisition did have some competition and, uh, but because it was, because of the size and because of, I think he wanted to sell all, all 12 in one, um, package, which I think scared off a fair amount of people that yeah. were single operators and they didn't, you know, they didn't necessarily want all 12. Um, I think we were one of two or three. Um, but the tipping point, I think for us, why the seller worked with us uh, more closely. It was because we were so adamant about keeping the team on. Um, that happens very early in our conversation that we wanted to talk to talk to the team, ensure that they knew that we were, we had intentions of keeping them on, and it sort of was the tipping point to maintain a relationship with us. Cool. Well, that sounds like a perfect segue to your lessons because I know that's that's kind of in the direction <laughs> of one of one of the lessons. So let's get into this. We 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 as I said, we talked about it a little offline, um, but you've come here with a, a few of the your key takeaways from this whole process. So why don't you um, why don't you take us through them? Sounds good. So the first one I would say, and I mentioned before, is is be clear on your why on why you're acquiring uh, digital properties or any any business really. Um, 
it can be anything. It could be cash flow, flipping. It could be a complimentary business from what you already mm-hmm. you know own. It could be a growth opportunity, uh, and acquire that sort of thing. Uh, but if you don't have that in the back of your mind the entire time, you're going to be thrown out by or thrown off by really cool opportunities that come your way. Um, there were a few SaaS businesses that we th- we felt were attractive, but we d- we don't we didn't have the dev talent to support it. Um, there were some local news sites that we felt would be really fun to run, but um, the news, the the hamster wheel of news, just didn't yeah. excite us as well. So, yeah. I'd say. So, be what very was your clear. why? So early on, uh, our discussion with uh, Mike and the and the investment team uh, was around acquiring, holding, but using these site, the uh, whatever we acquire as launching pad for our own startup businesses that we want to launch or additional acquisitions that are complementary that can, that can um, feed off the audience that, that we've, we've established. Mm -hmm. And so this is a long-term hold strategy for us. Our why is to, is to grow, not just maintain and cash flow and, and accept some profits year over year. Um, And we don't really have a desire to sell uh, or flip. So, so for example, that's with the SaaS companies, the reason those didn't meet your why is because about acquiring a SaaS company is more about acquiring revenue, whereas you were looking to acquire audience. I mean, yes. obviously revenue too, but uh, SaaS companies aren't, their audience is, is just their existing users, which can be not that significant a number, whereas you acquired 6 million eyeballs a year. Exactly. Okay. Okay, cool. And um, and so when you say the why, it's kind of, it's, it's not, it's, um, it's kind of like the strategic, the strategic point of the acquisition. Um, it's not kind of like a philosophical, what, you know, what your purpose in life, why is it's more right. of like your, your kind of your investment thesis and strategy. Exactly. Okay, exactly. great. Cool. What's the uh, next one? Next one would be, uh, see competition as a feature and, and a, and a way to sharpen your, uh, pitch to a potential seller. Um, the way we viewed competition, since it was our first acquisition, we, we took it as a learning opportunity to see what worked and what doesn't, um, price is always going to be the top factor that seller wants to focus on, but there are always additional factors, uh, that will contribute to putting you at the top of a, of a, uh, um, acquisition market. So um, some of them can be fast due diligence, fast closing, um, attractive seller financing. Uh, you could cover the seller's legal fees uh, for closing. You can retain a seller as a consultant, which is just added revenue for them. Um, you can offer additional upside on growth profits, even offer uh, next whatever next liquidity event that might occur with the businesses. You can offer an upside on that. Um, the key is to just be creative and open to um, different um, uh, selling points or acquisition and points. At what point in the process do you learn that it's competitive? Does the broker sort of immediately, like QuietLight immediately tells you, you express interest, QuietLight says, hey, cool, here's the prospectus. Just know that there's a lot of interest in this. Is that what, is that what happens? It's You sometimes learn at the beginning, um, QuietLight is, is good at telling you, hey, you know, there's a handful of other buyers. Um, so, you know, don't waste their time or uh, get creative on your, on your, um, 
uh, offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you learn just from the conversations with with the seller um, or subtle hints that they have here and there, like, hey, this, this point is a sticking point. We're, we're getting it off. I don't know. There's there's lots of ways you can learn that there's, a, there's competition. They're not going to outright tell the number or the other competing prices. Um, but, uh, but when, once you learn w- w- that, you know, there's some competition, what there's, they're competing on or what the, what the seller's incentive or what the seller's desire is outside of price, you know, you're off to the races on being, uh, making a competitive offer. So. And so when you said that it was really appealing to the seller that you were going to keep on the team, keep, keep the team on, did you say that I mean, it, as we now know, you really wanted that anyway, mm-hmm. uh, but expressing that to the seller to differentiate your offer, did, did quiet, like give you that hint or did you, was it another happy accident? Like, no, <laughs> and that's actually tip number three. So it, it okay. was a happy accident. We had a, con- we had a long conversation with the seller that went much deeper than your typical, you know, why are you selling it? Uh, you know, what, what, what are your sticking points or what, why haven't you sold it? What, why have you waited so long to sell it? Because it's a depreciating asset. We, we, we went deep. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the primary questions that worked for us was if you could write the script for this deal, uh, what would you like to have happen? And it's sort of, it's an open-ended question. It allowed for the seller to ramble for a bit and we just yeah. shut up and, and listen. Yeah. Um, that's all. That's a great question. And he, and he just told us outright that, or he, he got into talking about like, it's, it's, he's been working on them for years. Uh, he's been working with the team for years. And as soon as we heard team, uh, and cause we, our assumption was that because they're dying sites they're you know, no one had been working on them for, yeah. uh, for a while. Um, as soon as he said that a light bulb in our, our head, um, turned on and we were off to the races, you know, make, making sure that that was part of the acquisition. So that's, that's really, that's really cool. So the question is <clears throat> to the, to the seller, if you could write the script of this acquisition, what would it look like? Do I, do I have that right? You got it. Cool. And sorry, was that, that was a live conversation or a written conversation? That was a live conversation. Okay. Okay. Really cool. All right. Great. What, what else you got? Uh, number four is prepare as if, the, an acquisition is inevitable. You're, you've already decided you're going to acquire something. So uh, it, it, it's inevitable. So why not prepare as though it's it's going to happen in two months, three months down the road, even though it, it could be six to 12. Um, and that preparation takes, uh, takes a couple different forms, but the three I would focus on is human capital. Do you have the team involved? Even if there's a there's going to be a team coming with the business acquisition, you will likely need additional team members. Um, if you know what the, the business model or the type of site you're looking for, it's likely you'll need writers, you'll need SEO talent, you'll need marketers, you need developers. Um, get those relationships going early, and so you have them at your disposal when and you can you know call on them whenever you need them. And is that what happened with you guys? That once you took over the sites, you you had some people in place and you turned turned on the spigot of productivity. I wish we had it was something that. you did wrong. It was it was something we did wrong. <laughs> okay. uh, I we it's not like we struggled. It's just I think we could have we could have been off to the races much faster had we anticipated some of the elements that uh, that came along with it. And 
I think with anything, any type of acquisition, you're, you're going to have some forgotten about or missed, missed, uh, missed opportunities. But, um, uh, I, I think we could have had our ducks in a row a lot, uh, uh, faster and, um, especially on the content side, the writers, the at two editors and the SEO talent, uh, SEO manager had already relationships with, you know, dozens of writers, uh, globally. And so we, we were going to count on them to, mm-hmm. you know, scale up the content as, as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's taken about four months, five months to get to, you know, 23, 26 writers. Um, and I think we could have done it in half the time had, I've been more prepared and and started three months earlier um, with your own team, with your own hires. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, I imagine it's it's tricky because uh, it's kind of like a balls in the air thing. You, you got this deal going; the deal could fall fall apart at any time. At the same time, if you're trying to build it, kind of build a team in advance of acquiring, closing on this business you can't tell them exactly when it's going to happen. You can't pay them yet. So I, I can imagine that getting the lining up the timing just, just so is, is really difficult. And, right. and you're, I'm, you know, in your defense, like I, maybe, maybe it's, uh, you didn't screw up too bad. Cause it's a, it sounds like a really hard thing to time perfectly. Well, the way to get around that though, is, uh, as for content specifically is we, we typically want to work direct work directly with the, with the contractor. We don't want to work with agencies. We don't mm-hmm. want to work with consultants that are, that, you know, charge it on arm and a leg for, you know, thousand word blog post. Yeah. Um, I think we could have we could have prepped an agency or prepped a few uh, copywriters, like good copywriters, to be like, "Hey, for the first three months of our acquisition, we're going to pay, you know, three x, four x, five x for your talent, just to float us to the point where we have the the contractors uh, available, you know, internally." So, so offer them I a think premium. Yeah, I think we could have offered. Uh, top copywriter talent, a premium to float us for three months while we ramped up to, uh, um, you know, where we are now with writers. And in exchange, you're kind of there, you're saying to them, like, look, I need you to be kind of on call when this thing closes. I need you to be ready uh, to, you know, really work, do a lot for me for three months. Um, And in return, I'll pay you, you know, a premium on your, on your current prices. Exactly. Interesting. Cool. Okay. Um, did you have another one? The last one uh, is, I think, a lot of acquisition podcasts I've heard talk about this, but building and maintain, maintaining a relationship with the seller and the seller's representatives, I think, is can't be understated uh, or over overstated, understated. Uh, deals fall apart all the time, and they're going to come back to you, uh, and and maintaining a good working relationship, a uh, friendly and competent and reputable uh, positioning yourself as a reputable buyer is, is yeah. Im- really important, especially if you're going to play the long game with this. If you're going to acquire one proper one business and that's going to be cash flowing, you may not be as concerned about your reputation as a buyer, but it's really important because now the uh, buyers representatives, the brokers are coming to us every week with new opportunities. It's really cool to see what new, uh, new businesses are available, uh, you know, pre-market or pre, you know, pub, uh, before they get shown to the public. Uh, and a seller, you know, wants to stay in, in touch with you. And it's cool to see, you know, it's cool to keep in contact with them and show them, you know, what you're doing with their baby, what they're, yeah. what, what you're doing with something that they grew from nothing. So, totally. um, so yeah, 
maintain that work, good working relationship with the seller and the rep, reps of the seller, and you're going to be golden for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Uh, so how does that work with the, the brokerages? They, because I'm on those lists as well. And, um, and so I guess there's probably tiers, like they, they get a, a, a new deal and they, and they reach out to people individually to high likelihood buyers like you. And then there's probably like a, there's concentric circles, then they widen it out a little bit. And then, then the rest of us, uh, (laughs) get the deal by, you know, by an email blast. Is that how it works? Uh, I have a feeling, and I don't want to say we're, we're on some premium list and they're going to come to us with every new deal, but I, I, I have a feeling that they, uh, segment them out based on the type of deal. So yeah. we're seen as the affiliate guys or the, you know, publishing website, uh, you know, business. And so I think we've seen a lot more of those types of deals come our way than we have with the SAS or FBA, um, businesses, but, I mean, we still get those too. So I don't think there there's much there's very much of a tier or segmentation that they're doing. Um, and I we're probably not seeing we're probably seeing the same deal flow as you. So okay, okay. So they're just segmenting by interest. They know the what the investors have bought before, what they're interested in, and they just show them those deals. Right. Okay. The other thing is we have no problem reaching out to, you know, Brad at Quilight now and saying, Hey, you know, in six to 12 months, we're going to be looking at this type of business or, you know, we're going to be have enough cash flow to buy another one. Uh, you know, can you keep an eye out and send us stuff you think is Mm -hmm. going to hit the market, um, early. So. And so in, in, in closing, is that what you anticipate in another 12 months or so once, once you get your feet under you a little bit with these, these sites that you'll continue on this path? Uh, we, we've talked about launching our own sites. We've talked about acquiring new uh, additional ones. Um, right now we're in growth mode with what we have. So I think over the next, uh, at least six to 12 months, we're going to be focused on these 15. Um, we were, I, th- I think I mentioned earlier, we're launching a community with runner click, um, called yeah. Run, runner click yeah. pro. Right. So lots we, to do before you yeah, start buying other stuff. 15 websites that only monetize via one avenue. I think there's plenty of opportunity with all that, you know, different avenues there. So. Cool. Well, really cool story, Paul. Uh, Thanks for coming on and sharing. How can uh, people reach you if, if they have questions or, you know, want to want to learn more? Uh, I think the best would be Twitter. That's P A Lemley L E M L E Y. So that's P A L E M L E Y on Twitter, or just okay. search Paul Paul Lemley. I'm probably one of the few Paul Lemleys that's <laughs> using Twitter. Um, otherwise, uh, Digital Authority Group is the company, and we don't really have a website. Uh, RunnerClick.com. That's our our best property. And so, if if you want, if you're a runner, we'd love to have you. Um, you know use the site, uh, peruse the site and join our runner click pro community when we launch in a couple months. Awesome. Cool. Great, Paul. Well, thank you very much for doing this. And, uh, maybe, uh, in a year we'll have you back on and talk about how things have gone. Happy to. Thanks so much. Will. cool. Thank you. 